This podcast should not be considered as medical advice. If you are looking for medical advice, please contact a licensed physician. But please try to find somebody that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective as well as why the common collective resists new information. Coming out of this is that, I'll tell you right now, my dad, I'm going to share a story. My dad started vomiting in Nashville, Tennessee, lost the use of his legs, peed the bed. And he's not like in super good health and whatever, but he was, his mindset was as good as anybody. That's basically why he's still alive today, to be honest with you. Like, he's just like jovial and happy and he's just like a good dude, right? Mm -hmm. Goes to the hospital. They test him positive for COVID. Well, now they don't treat him. Wait, wait, what? They gave him, you know, albuterol nebulizer, sent him on his way. Wait, did anybody wonder why you're peeing the bed or why your legs aren't working or mm-hmm. why you're, did anybody do a CAT scan? Well, we can't do a CAT scan. You're COVID. Can't do an MRI. You're COVID. Wait, what? The fear that the hospital has in my dad, because they've been told to approach this, these people this way. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a second. His vitals were okay. They send him home. He's getting worse. Now they go back in emergency room. They send him back out because the tests aren't warranted until he tests negative. They're not going to do anything. Finally, finally, one of his doctor friends got him into a place in Palm Springs. They get an MRI. He has a mass on his spine. Is it cancer? I don't know. (laughs) But this whole thing based around this fear that this person is going to be a contagion to the hospital that's now hitting home with our family and i'm like oh my gosh i am seeing it firsthand this man might pass away i have hope that he's not because he's he's very resilient and he's very uh his outlook on life is great and that's something that is strong again we talked about this belief like he's just like Hell, like, yeah, (laughs) life's awesome. Let's rock this. But now we're watching this thing. And did he have some pneumonia type response? Well, yeah, he has a tumor on his spine. He's been in and out of hospitals. He hasn't eaten. He hasn't drank. He has no. Well, now it's this whole scenario is flipped on the side of its head. And I'm sitting here watching this person who's the least afraid of everybody is the sickest (laughs) because of. You know, and not even sick, but just expressing symptoms appropriately. And everyone's just like, what's going on? So that's at the higher end of it in a 70, 70 year old man. Now apply that to a nine or 10 year old kid, you know, or 11 year old kid. Now, all of a sudden you apply that fear of that individual who people got into work into those fields of study to help the 77 year old man who just wet the bed and has Mm -hmm. no use of his legs. And you know what I mean? Like they really feel for him and want him to do well. And and they have things that they can do. That's we have emergency care. Great. We have imaging. Great. Well, now you apply that to the 11 or 12 year old on the soccer team. And one of my clients has 12 kids on his soccer team. Eight are left. The other four are so afraid of the other kids that they can't, participate the kid has chosen not to go two of them have ocd yeah because of washing their hands exactly so now i i talked to kelly brogan dr kelly brogan who's a psychiatrist i'm like how would you well ocd you get them you get the people to basically do the activity or not do the activity that they're obsessed about well the psychiatrist can't tell the kid not to wash his hands because there's fear that mm-hmm. there's this germ on this person instead of treating the person they're treating this whole scenario around the person so again it it's web like across the globe that is the infection is the fear that is now i swear a majority of what i would as humans i'm depressed every day i'm anxious every day but i'm also happy and you know joyful and 
and my purpose is set, but I still go through these feelings sure. because we're, we're all experiencing this stuff. Fabiola, here we are. Hey, Leo. So that was Dr. Tommy John on the What They Aren't Telling You podcast with Melissa Floyd, which we are big fans of. And uh, we will have the link to that particular episode, which aired in February on the show notes. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And you can link to, we want to make sure that she gets credit and uh, she continues to grow her audience. So we do recommend you check that out. But um, takeaways there on the uh, uh, the clip there, at least I had a couple. I'm sounding a little tinny, aren't I? Yeah. I don't know what that is all of a sudden. Maybe I just need to get closer. Maybe. Maybe, okay. <laughs> um, but two things to me, you know, Dr. Tommy John, by the way, he is one of the uh, producers and uh, hosts of the Health Freedom for Humanity podcast as well. So I would uh, also check that one out. Uh, if you have time, but, uh, uh, in, in just to give you a little background on him, he, um, has master's degrees in health and exercise science from Furman university. Uh, he brings over 17 years of health experience to the table at uh, completion of his studies. Dr. Tommy John played professional baseball for three years with teams such as the Schaumburg Flyers, Tyler Roughnecks, and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And as I mentioned, he's the co-host of the Health Freedom for Humanity podcast. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of podcast references. So, yeah. so keep that in mind. But the, the takeaways there from that clip for, for me is that, um, you know, when people are ingested into the health system, they used to just go right to the doctors and the nurses and they, those individuals would do the diagnosis on those people. And then they would say, okay, well, based on what you've told me, we're thinking it's this particular direction. As far as what might be wrong with you, we're going to confirm that with tests. And then we're going to proceed with, you know, a course of treatment uh, based on whatever the, uh, if we've confirmed the diagnosis. So now you have this uh, layer in front of treatment at the hospital, which is the COVID test. And whether that comes out positive or negative is a huge factor in really the health outcome that you're going to have. Because as he explained in this clip, the challenge that uh, his father had was that he got a positive test. Now, he really wasn't having any symptoms related to COVID, but he's now positive. We know because we've talked at length in the, on this podcast about the challenge of the tests uh, being faulty, you know, because of the cycle counts that they may or may not be uh, being processed under. And so, you know, his father was not able to even get in to get the proper uh, diagnostic test uh, to determine what may or may not be wrong with him. And he ended up having to go to uh, friends in the healthcare community that uh, eventually helped him find out that he had a tumor. Uh, and uh, lucky for him, lucky he had for... a friend that was a doctor. So I, I just I want people to think about this, extrapolate this out uh, to millions, if not billions of people the world over, and understand that um, most people don't have these connections into alternative, uh, pathways to get diagnosis. You know, most people, they, they go to their healthcare practitioners. If their healthcare practitioners turn them away, they're SOL. Okay. So what does that do to, cause I mean, he ended up being able to get treatment and everything because he had these back channels, but, uh, everyone else who doesn't, they, could potentially become a death or may have become a death. And because they had gotten a COVID test that was positive, where do you think they're probably ending up in the uh, death statistics? Are they going under COVID deaths? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you say that's probably safe to assume? Yeah. I, I don't think anybody would probably argue that point. Um, and then, you know, he takes it a step further where he talks about the kids, you know, flip it on its head now then with, you know, uh, these young kids trying to like play on sports teams and some of these kids, their parents, um, and really probably just what's happening in the schools with the, the masking and the dividers, the social distancing, uh, eating separate lunch tables, or, or really just staying at home in, in a lot of cases and doing remote learning. These kids are so afraid they can't even be with each other in, you know, like a, a sports participation, uh, uh, 
situation because they're afraid they're going to get sick. And remember, kids are not the they're, they're not at risk here. I mean, the risk is so minuscule; it's ridiculous. Kids are more susceptible to influenza and dying from influenza than they are from COVID nineteen. So, uh, I mean, I'm at a loss. Just kind of if if you do extrapolate that out, obviously this is an anecdotal case, um, but again, I think we're seeing things like this. The, the nation over, and if not the world over. And uh, um, I just wonder what what is really happening to the statistics. And, and uh, I mean, I don't know. What, what, what When you hear that, what jumps out at you? Well, when we started recording the podcast in the very beginning, we were noticing reports of people in our circle of friends uh, saying, well, such and such person died. Uh, because they couldn't get medical care, because we are in lockdown and hospitals and clinics are not seeing anybody unless um, you have COVID. So there were definitely more deaths that we know of that were caused because of what this this doctor was saying. And then when it comes to the the children in the just the emotional toll. I mean, we see that in our family here. Um, not so much, you know, afraid of getting sick or, or dying, which I think the argument really for children is that they are the super spreaders that are going to get uh, the elderly sick, you know, because they don't show any symptoms now, uh, which we, um, I don't like to use that word, debunked. <laughs> We do have an episode about that. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, and so children are being impacted, and we have no idea what the long-term effects of that are going to be in society. We have no idea, you know, how are they going to cope with this as they grow up. We know that our kids are having a hard time coping because they want to participate in all those things, and those things are not happening. Even going to the library you know, where the library you go can only stay there for 15 minutes and we haven't dared to go <laughs> where we are, not because of COVID, but because of just the fear of other people, you know, that we're around. So it's just, it, it to me, it just brings back the point we've been trying to make for a long time. So we're talking about this deadly virus that's apparently, you know, killing millions and millions of people all over the world countries again are shutting down like europe is shut down we've just met with some friends um they're from the uk talking about what's going on over there with their families they can't go to their vacation homes anymore because they can't leave the, they, they basically can't leave their homes they can have a cleaning lady come in <laughs> to clean their house but they can't see friends and family hey that's essential okay yeah that's essential i, I agree cleaning <laughs> um around death counts that are not truly reflective of the situation because you have faulty testing and then now you're neglecting the health of people you're neglecting symptoms that could be life-threatening because you have a faulty a possibly a faulty i mean i think really faulty testing because first of all there's no control we talked about that you're saying that now people they're not sick are sick because they test positive so there's no control to even determine if the test or what percentage of the test is false positive versus false negatives and um, and, the, and but but these numbers justify everything: our freedoms taken away, uh, our access to medical care, our access to um, pretty much you know our access to the post office, our access to to everything. Yeah, I, I'm actually glad you you brought up the uh, uh, you know kind of the political bent a little bit because i did have a clip i wanted to play which is um representative jim jordan and uh he is doing a bit of a uh back and forth with uh dr tony fauci and it is specifically around um targeting in on what is the specific levels 
that we are trying to attain. And at that point, we will know we've had success and we can begin to let up on our countermeasure efforts. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and describe what uh, uh, Tony Fauci does, but I'm going to let you listen to it. And it's really quite compelling to me because uh, uh, Jim Jordan, he asked uh, a, a few different times in the clip, you know, for specifics. And uh, you, you'll see some dancing there. So, so can we play that and then yeah, yeah, talk about it? Yeah, I think that's after? a good idea. All right, here we go. Dr. Fauci, when is the time? When is the time? Well, in your written statement, you say, now is not the time to pull back on masking, physical distancing, and avoiding congregate settings. When is the time? When do Americans get their freedom back? Can you put your microphone on, please? When we get the level of infection in this country low enough that it is not a really high threat. What is low enough? Give me a number. What, I mean, I, we, we had 15 days to slow the spread, turned into one year of lost liberty. What metrics, what measures, what has to happen before yeah. Americans get my, their freedoms back? My message, uh, Congressman Jordan, is to get as many people vaccinated as quickly as we possibly can to get the level of infection in this country low that it is no longer a threat. That is when. And I believe when that happens, you will see. What determines when? I'm sorry. What? What measure? What, I mean, are, are we just going to continue this forever? Or when, does, when, does, no. when do we get to the point? What measure, what standard, what objective uh, outcome do we have to reach before, before Americans get their liberty and freedoms back? You know, I, you're indicating liberty and freedom. I look at it as a public health measure to prevent people from dying and going to the hospital. You don't think Americans' liberties have been threatened the last year, Dr. Fauci? They've been assaulted. Their liberties have. I don't look at this as a liberty thing, Congressman Jordan. Well, that's I look obvious. At this as a public health thing. But, but, uh, the, I disagree with you, you on that. You think the Constitution completely. is suspended during, a, during a, a, a virus, during a pandemic? It's certainly not. This will end for sure when we get the level of infection very low. It is now at such a high level, there's a threat again of major surge. Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, over the last year, Americans' First Amendment rights have been completely attacked. Your right to go to church, your right to assemble, your right to petition your government, freedom of the press, freedom of speech have all been assaulted. I mean, for a year now. Americans haven't been able to go to church. Even today, when they go to church, they're limited in the size of, of, of worshipers who can meet. Your right to assemble? Oh, my goodness. We had a curfew last fall in Ohio. You had to be in your home at 10. In Pennsylvania, you had to be in your home. Uh, when you're in your home, you had to wear a mask. In Vermont, when you're in your home, you didn't have to wear a mask, Dr. Fauci, because you weren't allowed to have yeah. people over to your house. Yeah, yeah Congressman Jordan. Your ability are... to petition your government well, for a year, for a year, American citizens haven't been able to come to their capital to petition their government to talk to their representatives and freedom of the press. These very pictures that right. Representative Scalise just showed you and talked about, Guess what? The press isn't allowed in those facilities. The press is not, the Biden administration will not let the press in there. And certainly freedom of speech. I mean, freedom of, governor of our third largest state meets with, with physicians and, that, and that's, that, that video is censored because they dare to agree, disagree with Dr. Fauci. So I just want to know, when do Americans get their First Amendment liberties back? You know, I don't think anything was censored because they felt they couldn't disagree with me. I think you're... You're making this a personal thing, and it isn't. It's not a personal thing. No, you are. That is exactly what you're doing. No, your recommendations carry a lot of weight, Dr. Fauci. We just had the, the chair yeah. of the Financial Services Committee said she loves you, and you're the greatest thing in the world. Will my the recommendations are consistent. Will the gentleman yield? No, it's my, it's my no, time. Can I answer the question, please? My recommendations are not a personal recommendation. It's based on... The CDC guidance, which is which is, and which I'm asking the question: What measures have to be attained before yeah. Americans get their First Amendment liberties back? I just told you that. I no, you haven't you. given anything specific. You said we hope when this certain. Tell me specifically. Right now, have to be right reached. now, we have about sixty thousand infections a day, which is a very large risk for a surge. We're not talking about liberties. 
We're talking about a pandemic that has killed 560,000 Americans. I, and That's I get what that, we're Doc, talking about. And I don't disagree with that. And I understand how serious that is. But I also stand it's pretty serious when businesses have been shut down. People can't go to church. People can't assemble in their own homes with their friends, with their families. People can't go to a loved one's funeral. People can't get to their government, petition their representative to redress their grievances. Right. I also understand the First Amendment's pretty darn important. And it's been a year. And I want to know when right. Americans will get those First Amendment liberties right. back. Well, you just said people cannot assemble in their own homes. They can. That's a CDC recommendation for vaccination. Not last people. fall they couldn't. I'm, I didn't hear. Not it. last fall they couldn't. I, I didn't hear what he said. The gentleman's time has expired. Um, I'll give you one instance of when we can get our liberties back. It's been 90 percent of the members I, of the United States Congress getting vaccinated. Well, I want to know if that's what Dr. Fauci, is it 90 percent, Dr. I'm, Fauci? Is it 90 percent? That's, that, that's what I'd like to know. Give, me some, give us some objective standards versus when certain things get reached, we might be able to get back to having our liberty. When? What are the numbers? Well, You're going to see a gradual, uh, from the, right now we're at an unacceptably high level. We're at, on a daily basis, it's unacceptably high regardless of who you are. What you're going to see as more and more people get vaccinated and we get over 3 million people a day, you're going to see the level of infection come down and down and gradually there will be more flexibility for doing the things that you're talking Where about. Where does it get to? When it comes down, what number do we get our liberties back? Tell me the number. When, Tell me the number. When 90% of the members of Congress get vaccinated. But you're not a doctor, Mr. Clyburn. He is. What is the number? I can't Thank give you for recognizing me, Mr. Clyburn. Thank the chair you. Chair now recognizes uh, for five minutes. I'd like minutes. my question Ms. answered. I don't, I don't want, reclaiming I don't want, my time. I reclaiming my time. Regular order. Regular order. No, just a moment, Mr. Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, I don't want you to answer my question. The American people want Dr. Fauci to answer well, the question. What does well, it have to be? Fire, sir. If you need to respect the chair and oh, shut oh. your mouth. Don't worry about this. We, we, we're going to handle this. And I think Mr. Jordan knows me very well. And he knows full well that we're going to handle this. Your time has expired. And the chair now recognizes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Ms. Maloney. Oh, my gosh. That's so frustrating listening to that. Well, I mean, you and I had a discussion a little bit before when we were prepping, you know, and, and you brought up some good points, which, you know, I want you to chime in on. But, but, uh, I've brought up in previous episodes, I said, look, you know, uh, you, if, if you know that it's all about data, which everything is about data, and you know that there are specific levels, right, that you're trying to get to, they are the targets. It is the success criteria. If you don't have the success criteria uh, outlined, then you never know what you're going to hit. And people have made the point saying, look, if you think... It, it, this really seems like they want to get to the point where n not a single person is contracting or dying of COVID. And you and I both know that is never going to happen. And so we are going to be in this situation forever. And Fauci avoided, he danced around that question three or four times in that uh, interview back and forth. And he would not say, he, I mean, he used so many uh, uh, general terms, you know, unacceptable, very high. I mean, he would never say specifically if we get to 2,000 infections a day or we get to uh, less than 50 deaths a, uh, a day. He, he said nothing. So, I mean, he, here is the, the preeminent health expert around infectious disease, and he's not giving you a single target that you can hit. No target and bringing back the argument that's been like the spotlight of this whole thing. If it saves only one life, when the numbers, you know, on this disease are what the recovery for most people is 99.97% based on CDC numbers. That's number one. Number two, he talks about people getting vaccinated. But again, as we cover this over and over again. The vaccines are not shown to prevent infection or transmission. 
So we've said that many times. So I felt like the senator kind of missed an opportunity there <laughs> to talk about that. Uh, Fauci wouldn't give a number. And the other thing is the faulty testing. We talked about it so much. We And, and the senator missed, I mean, kudos for him to just go in for, okay, we're not considering mental health at all. We're not looking at those numbers. Suicide numbers going up, uh, anxiety, depression, more alcohol abuse, more drug abuse. We don't talk about that at all. It's like just single vision on let's just perpetually keep the argument as being the people that care about others and the people that want this to stop and want liberty don't care about others. And that is what the argument is reduced to. So I'm pretty sure somebody on the side that really believes, um, which no disrespect, I mean, that um, all these measures are justified because the numbers are so high and they're really not looking at the nuance and they're not really looking at the details because they're not being reported. The details being, you know, are we counting these deaths correctly? Are we counting the numbers correctly? We're not looking at that. And we're also not looking at mental illness at all. So it's about, it's not about what it's said. It's about what is not said. That drives me nuts. Well, And, and, <laughs> and I, here we are to tell you what is not being said. <laughs> well, and I made the point to you that, that uh, I honestly believe that it is a situation where, you know, even people like uh, Representative Jim Jordan, you know, they have to play the game, right? I mean, I guess they don't have they to. They don't but have to. They don't we have just to. have normalized this. They have to play the game. Right. But, but So, well, but... But I mean, again, I get it that he actually didn't give any measure, many measurable target. Yeah. It, well, so, so he, he was able to... One way I say he, I say Fauci. He, he was able to use... Um, I thought I thought Jim Jordan was able to really show Fauci's true colors through the game that Fauci's playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and did you see the defenders behind it? Oh yeah. Oh, oh. that was crazy. Oh you know, gosh. and and I thought that was really intriguing when uh, Senator Clyburn, you know, chimes in as saying, "Well, you know, it's when we get to ninety percent vaccination, you know, in the Congress." And and uh, he's saying, "Well, you're not a doctor. I'm, I want to know Fauci's opinion." <laughs> so so here, Senator Clyburn is giving a specific percentage, but the uh, preeminent uh, healthcare uh, expert in the field won't uh, won't give anything. It's just general terms, and so. Um, Again, I do think there were missed opportunities from Jim Jordan, but I think there's um, a lot of different battles, and this one is one that I think he he said, look, you know, there's multiple things you could have fought that battle on, right, around transmission and, and infection and, and all of that type of stuff. But he was stating, look, we need to have success criteria. What is the success criteria? Mm-hmm. And if we're not willing to name it, then this is just a big gaslight. You know, it's ridiculous. I get it, but the, it, I think that what frustrates me about it, I think, he, he did great but what frustrates me about it is that it brings the whole debate back to this political thing you know the the party that cares about people and the party that doesn't care about people yeah yeah no i i agree completely and and we actually have another clip which um we'll play in a minute which i think um elaborates on this play the game mentality even more. The Tucker Carlson clip we'll put mm-hmm. on is quite intriguing because, uh, well, we'll get to that in a minute. But before we do that, um, I do want to also point out that uh, we had some stuff happen this week with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, mm-hmm. right? It was paused, mm-hmm. um, I think, for at least a couple of weeks. And uh, they were having some blood clotting issues. They had like a, um, uh, a quick six cases of uh, this blood clotting that was happening um, I can't remember if they were all women or not. I think they may have been from what I recall, but, but, uh, uh, this is just interesting, right? You know, you have these new things popping up, the science isn't settled, there are problems, but I think one of the most intriguing things for me in this is that I jumped on the computer this morning to kind of look at what mainstream was reporting on it. I went to Yahoo news and then, uh, see, uh, we look at both sites. Yeah, and then I, I, I got to a Politico um, uh, article, and uh, 
what was interesting was that you know they they pointed out they 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 gave the news right which was or the story which was that these six individuals had these blood clotting issues and then uh, uh, they got past that and then they spent the next like three scrolls of the article essentially uh, putting everyone's fears to bed around that you know the, this is safe and and uh, one of the key quotes I well one of the key quotes in it I thought was quite intriguing was. Um, uh, the longer the pause is, the longer it's going to take for us to convince people that this particular vaccine is safe again. <laughs> and and uh, what was interesting about that is that, first of all, we haven't proven that it's safe to begin with yeah. because we haven't done the long-term safety studies. So uh, it's not really a matter of again. We haven't even done it the first time. <laughs> mm-hmm. But... Um, you know, and and that's how most of those articles go, right? So they they'll at least do the service of saying, okay, look, something happened, you know. So at least us in the the critical camp are saying, oh, look, at least there's an article about it. But I mean, I read it, and it's like, with the exception of the first two sentences that state what happened, I mean, it's almost like a uh, uh, a brochure for Johnson and Johnson <laughs> and why how they're so safe and how this two weeks. Uh, is just going to, you know, put some questionable circumstances around and people really need to understand that this is safe. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean... What, We're pausing it, but it's safe. You, but you know what was even more interesting was that, uh, uh, you know, while these authorities are pushing people... Uh, now to the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines because, you know, they said that those were safe. They had uh, zero safety signals. Uh, but, you know, VAERS, uh, there's there's a quote from a Children's Health Defense article. It read, uh, you know, utilizing a search criteria that included reports of blood clots associated with blood coagulation disorders, VAERS yielded a total of 795 reports for all three vaccines from December 14th, 2020 through April 1st, 2021. And of the those 795 cases reported, there were 400 reports attributed to Pfizer and 337 reports with Moderna and then 56 reports with J&J. So, <laughs> so we've thrown up the flag around Johnson & Johnson and we're now pushing people back to the other two vaccines, which actually, well, which actually have much, <laughs> many more uh, adverse events reported for them. Uh, so I mean, it, it, well, it, they've been around longer too. So they've been around long. Yeah, they have that 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 uh, safety record of uh, of about uh, two and a half months. <laughs> <laughs> that according to theirs, you know, it doesn't have a safety record. But so I mean, I think that. Uh, uh, you know the 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 point we wanted to kind of put this episode together just to kind of uh, uh, it's a little bit of a grab bag today, you know, uh, putting some of this together. These I mean, we're that- just showing the inconsistencies of the news that's reported. Oh, but but in le- the co- in the conversations and the debate that happens around this. But let's let's uh, play that Tucker Carlson clip. Let's do and, it. And 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 uh, there's going to be a couple different things I want you to listen for here. But but number one is, you know, Tucker Carlson does a nice job in this clip, uh, um, or just the program in general for covering this particular challenge around the Johnson Johnson vaccine. But what's really interesting, and I've noticed this on other Tucker Carlson episodes, uh, and really the news in general, is that when Whenever the news, the, the mainstream news, reports on any challenges with really any vaccines, which doesn't happen often, but obviously during COVID, you know, everything is heightened, all the attention's on, they have to do a certain amount of, of vaccine cheerleading uh, throughout the, yeah. the expose, even though they're bringing up a very good topic that, that calls out the safety of the vaccine and really the process, right? Uh, but all along the way, they're checking in and saying, but we really like these vaccines. So just, <laughs> just, just, just kind of listen for that. And, and we want you to become more aware of that so that as you're listening to clips outside of this program, you'll see that that's kind of a common narrative on those few programs that will report on challenges to really vaccination in general. There's always that cheerleading that has to happen along the, uh, the way just to... Uh, uh, to kind of wrap it. So let's go ahead and play that. Unpick it. Got it. That's their position. No more questions. Shut up. Thankfully, this is still a free country, or at least tonight we're going to pretend it is. We do have questions. They're very simple. Is the vaccine safe? 
Is it effective? And we're thankful to be able to ask an actual authority on the subject. Dr. Human Norchasm is a Harvard-trained immunologist. This morning, he sent a letter to the FDA saying that it is essential for the agency to determine immediately if the patients affected by these blood clotting complications were recently or previously infected or had received the vaccine. He's been sounding the alarm over the danger of blood clotting, which he says can occur in people who already have antibodies in their system, both because they've been infected or because they've gotten the vaccine. It's pretty simple. He makes a strong case for it. We're happy to have him on tonight. Doctor, thanks so much for joining us. So these two questions thanks, in order. Thanks very much, Senator. Are, now, there are three vaccines, but give us the overview. Are they safe? What do you make of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine? What do you think is going on here? Well, uh, Tucker, thanks again for having me here tonight. Um, you know, I think um, the uh, this this is actually a really good sign, frankly. You know, I think up until this moment, you know, these vaccines have been the epitome of of safety and efficacy, and here we are, you know, um, pulling the Johnson and Johnson vaccine off the market because of a safety concern. So, so clearly, you know, I think there's a there's a communications disaster at the FDA and the CDC where folks are not really putting safety and efficacy on the same part. And this is why confidence in the vaccine has eroded. So I, I actually think it's a really good sign that, that FDA is taking this, these complications seriously. I don't yes. think they're going to be isolated. And I frankly think that they are missing the similar thromboembolic complications in the case of Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. It's just I don't know why it is that this cluster has sort of affected J&J. &J. Uh, there certainly other, uh, are other examples of thromboembolic events in Pfizer and Moderna that have uh, been entered into the VAR system. So. So we had a fascinating conversation on Fox Station, you can look it up if you want, but in which you made the point, I thought very compellingly, these vaccines are great, you have high confidence in them, but they're not necessarily for everyone. If you have high levels of antibodies, both from previous infection, mostly from previous infection, maybe you shouldn't take them. Is the government taking That's that right. warning seriously now, do you think? Well, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen any evidence that they're taking it seriously, frankly. And, and you know, I think that, uh, again, I want to reiterate, um, as, as we have before, that the, the most unprecedented thing that we're doing in this vaccine campaign is that we're deploying it indiscriminately into folks who have been recently or previously infected. And I think that uh, we shouldn't underestimate what the effect of uh, an, a vaccine-driven immune response is on um, uh, the uh, tissues in individuals um, who have been previously infected, that literally the antigenic uh, footprint of the virus persists in the tissues of the previously infected. So it's not um, a far stretch to imagine that those tissues, such as uh, the inner lining of the blood vessel, would be targeted by the vaccine immune response. And, you know, I have not yet seen any evidence, frankly, of, of uh, the uh, FDA or CDC taking this seriously. And in fact, this is actually a very easy thing, Tucker, to, to evaluate for. Um, you know, the, there is uh, the, the, the immune response of the naturally infected actually mounts a response against something called the nucleocapsid protein of the virus. And in fact, these six uh, young women, unfortunately, who've had these severe adverse reactions, I would really challenge the FDA and CDC to, to inform the American people as to whether or not these individuals had anti-nucleocapsid antibodies in their blood. Because if they did, they were naturally infected. And that association is going to be very critical. You know, I think it's a, it's a major mistake to assume that you can put this vaccine into people who've been recently or currently infected um, and expect that, you know, no complications will result. So we can we can stick our head in the sand if, on this thing if we want to. But clearly, here we are. One of the major manufacturers has, has now halted distribution of the vaccine. The question is, were these six people, people who were previously or recently infected? Uh, really quickly, I'm just so baffled by this because you're making, I think, a science-based sensible argument that we don't typically give vaccines to people who have already been infected with the illness the vaccine protects them from. We're doing it now. It would be very simple to test people for antibodies before they get vaccinated, but we're not doing that. Why? Well, I think I think the the, the problem I think is that that uh, folks are concerned about slowing down the vaccination process, which you know may or may not be true. But uh, but I think that every the common sense, common sense, and immunological science tells us that if we put a vaccine into individuals who have had a recent infection, we may actually create a, a, a you know adverse uh, reactions. And in fact, you know this yeah. has actually been sh uh, the data is being published in uh, out of the UK. So. <laughs> I, I thank you for your voice. This I just want to say again. You are a strong advocate of vaccination and of these vaccines, you're just saying they're not being deployed in a sensible way, which strikes me as a very solid argument. Dr. Hunan Norchasman, appreciate your coming on. Thank you. <laughs>
<laughs> I mean, the cognitive dissonance of this whole thing. They brought, he brought this up about, you know, do the antibody test beforehand to make sure you already, you know, if you already had the infection and don't get the, the vaccine. But, but this, this is the interesting thing. Like, if you supposedly get the vaccine, you will have an immune response, which that has not been um, shown to be protective, um, as we discussed, right? But then, uh, supposedly, you're going to be safe because you have antibodies. But at the same time, he's talking about, well, let's do the antibody test first to make sure you haven't had the infection. <laughs> so, so wait, the antibody test tells you that you're sick because you got antibodies, but then if you get the vaccine, you get antibodies, and then you're not sick. Stop it. You're you're blowing my brain up with logic. I don't want it. Get it away. It's just nuts. Well, and, and to me, again, I, I yeah, you're, you're right. It's hard to, it's hard to listen to, you know, uh, but. And then to hear that he's a strong advocate for the vaccine, <laughs> but then he's pointing these problems. I was know? trying to think of a metaphor while that was playing. I was thinking about, uh, somebody who was, uh, um, can you hear me okay, by the way? I can hear you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're fine. Oh. I turned you down a little bit, oh, okay. but um, you're good. Um, yeah, but I couldn't find it. I, I couldn't think of a good... I, I was thinking, I don't know, for some reason, O.J. Simpson popped in my head. I'm like, <laughs> like it was like Al, Al Callen saying, yeah, yeah, O.J. is there with a mask and a knife, and he's got blood on his hands, but uh, I know he didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So, you know, we're still, we're, we're very strong uh, 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 friends of, of OJ. So he, yes. he's, he's okay, but no. I mean, and we're a, not making fun of the situation. I mean, but it's just. I think we are. The more <laughs> we dig into this, the more ludicrous it just sounds. It, it is pretty nutty. How did we get here? Well, and I've almost become desensitized to, uh, it, it's really funny because you, you, you don't really notice it when you are totally in the vaccination camp because you, you, you're not really paying attention with any, um, uh, you're not seeing the signals. Then you obviously experience an injury or something, mm -hmm. and, and then you start to see it happen and how it's reported and how they talk about it, how they're championing all of this stuff. And, 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 but the, they might bring up some safety concern, but it's always wrapped in, in uh, uh, you know, this, this greater uh, lie, right? That, the, 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 that if you repeat... Often enough, what is it? Repeat often enough, repeat. Well, then it, yeah, it, it becomes truth. It becomes truth. And so, but, but it, now I've gotten to the point now where I, I've heard it so many times. Now I'm almost back to desensitize to it again. And I've got to almost have somebody kind of uh, open my eyes a little bit and say, hey, uh, yeah, they're, uh, uh, they're gaslighting you. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. Hardcore. The Art of War. I got to read that book. Yeah. Because. It just sounds like the answer to all this thing is but, in there. But so, so what? What's the uh, the direct takeaway? There is that you know they've got stuff going on with the vaccine, specifically around blood clotting, mm -hmm. and and that's not just J and J. So uh, do look at the VAERS data uh, for, again for those of you that are not familiar with VAERS. That I is, I just the, have to share something though. Oh my God! What are you going to share? <laughs> You look possessed. No, I was just listening to a discussion around, you know, vaccination, a first dose versus second dose. And people were saying, well, you know, you got to make sure you got both doses because people are still dying after the first dose. <laughs> and you go like, okay, they're dying after the first dose. Does that mean that the vaccine is exempt of scrutiny? <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, uh, go ahead and get their second dose. In that clip, he makes a great point. He says, you know, 
uh, if we think this could potentially be problematic, why aren't we screening people, you know, for for the antibodies or whatever? And and you know, we've always made that case. Why aren't we doing a better job screening, you know, at risk children and stuff just for right. vaccination in general? You know, mm-hmm. they just come in with the shots. They, one they size give them fits all. one size fits all. And 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 uh, uh, the doctor in this clip makes a point specifically related to COVID vaccination, but I don't think it's not applicable to vaccination as a whole, because he says, you know, he goes, I think that they don't want to slow down the vaccination program. And I think in a lot of ways, it's the same with general vaccination when, you know, children go in for wellness visits, you know, these doctors don't have a lot of time. They don't, you know, want to sit there and, and explain all this process. They don't want to slow down the... They don't want to do what's required by law. Yeah, informed for inform, consent. informed consent. And, so, and again, stepping back a little bit, you know, these are not vaccines these are gene therapies yes did it did an episode about it if you haven't caught that one go back and listen to it they are new technology it's not vaccination as we've been taught vaccination is uh, they are gene therapies and um, and, I, and I think that it's an important thing to continue to uh, hammer home because sometimes people need to hear things two three four times yeah. you know uh, again I said it in a previous episode but vaccination is treated uh, from a legal standpoint, differently than you know pharma- pharmaceutical drugs. If mm-hmm. you are injured from a pharmaceutical drug, uh, if you think it's negligence on the part of the manufacturer, you can sue the manufacturer for damages. You cannot do that with uh, vaccinations. So general vaccinations outside of COVID, you can uh, you can sue, but you sue the government. You sue what's called the vaccine court, and you know there's a portion of funds that go from ev- the sale of every vaccine that uh, a child or an adult gets. I think it's a dollar. Uh, per vaccine goes oh, into this I fund. I believe it's it a dollar. Uh, I remember reading it several years ago, but that goes into a fund. And uh, uh, when you take your uh, your case to uh, court, then if you are awarded damages, then you are paid out of that fund, which I think to date is near four and a half billion dollars that they've paid out in vaccine injuries since that court was enacted in, uh, uh, was that? Uh, 1986. 1986. So again, it's not like they haven't paid anything out. They've paid out significant yeah. injuries there. So just be aware of that. Uh, again, we want to reiterate those things so people understand. But uh, I mentioned VARES earlier. Again, we've talked about VARES before. VARES is the vaccine advent, uh, um, the adverse vaccine event adverse report event system. system. And so uh, that is interesting. And I was explaining this on the um collective resistance telegram chat group that we've got that VAERS is a passive system. So what that basically means is that anyone can submit a report. And uh, this is intriguing for a lot of reasons, because when you try to use the VAERS data, when you are, uh, say, trying to make an argument to a medical professional or um, somebody who uh, thinks that uh, vaccination does no harm, mm-hmm. then a that lot is of safe and effective. Yeah, a lot of times, what will happen? Uh, we've even heard it just recently uh, from from friends who have uh, inquired with doctors. Is they will say that uh, the um, uh, the VAERS system is passive; anybody can submit a report, so you can't really trust that data. You know, because anybody just wants to call in and say they they have a you know a stomach ache for after they got a vaccination. You know, there's nothing scientific behind it. Um, but I made the point to a friend. I said, well, nobody knows that VAERS exists. I mean, th- think yourself, unless you are somebody that has been injured by a vaccine and you have really, um, you know, tried to push forward with, you know, investigating either for your child or for yourself, uh, you don't know VAERS exists. I mean, I'm sure there are people listening to this right now. They don't have a clue what VAERS is. VAERS has existed uh, since uh, 1990. Um, so, uh it's important to realize this is something that's been in place, but you and it's actually one of the only tools that we have to collect data have. around va- vaccination injury. Yeah. So that's where a lot of the safety data is being reported. But the 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 more detailed point that I want to make is that because nobody knows about it, and you know you don't know about it because you've gone to the doctor with your child, you've gotten shots, your doctor hasn't said, "Hey, if you have these." X, Y, and Z that occur as a result of this shot, then you'll want to submit a report on the VAERS system or let us know. They don't do that. That doesn't happen. Okay. I don't know anyone that's ever happened. I'm not going to say it's never happened, but I mean, by and large, 98% of the time that's never happened. So what does happen 
is that people have injuries that they feel are connected to the vaccine, or maybe they're not even aware that it's connected to the vaccine, but they go into their doctor as a result of this uh, bad health outcome that has uh, come about. And it is the doctors that are drawing the conclusion, and it is the doctors that are submitting the report to VAERS because they are the ones that know the system exists. Those well, are the reports actually, that get I don't put know. in. All doctors know that. Well, no, no, but no, 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 no. But my point is, is that the few, because they do say that uh, around only 1% of mm-hmm. vaccine injuries are reported to the VAERS system. But of those 1%, I'm here to tell you that almost all of them would be reported by medical professionals because people do not know that mm-hmm. the VAERS system exists. They do not know that. So, so. Well, when there was the, the, the hearing uh, for the approval of those vaccines, actually, in the presentation, uh, the drug companies were talking about uh, theirs as like as if it is like the safety net that we're gonna be collecting data, making sure that we're going to be collecting data in VAERS. But then you have people saying, well, but VAERS, But it's, it's crap. Yeah. So, so, so they've actually... So is it crap or is it not crap well, again? Well, so, <laughs> Cognitive dissonance. So you have, to, you have to think, did they purposely set it up in that manner as a passive system so that they could turn around and, and discredit the results mm-hmm. of the reporting system when it doesn't suit their, their needs? Yeah. And, and so that's the interesting thing. Again, this takes critical thinking. You have to look at the structure of things. You have to look at, at what is most logical and likely. And uh, uh, VAERS, nobody's going and getting a shot, coming home, and then going, oh, I'm having an event here. Let me go online and look if there's an online database that I can <laughs> submit my reaction yes. to. Oh, look, yeah, look, it's called VAERS. Let me submit that. No, that's not what's going on. They're having the event. They go to the hospital. They get a assessed by a medical professional. The medical professional says, well, I think there's a good chance this is from the vaccination. And then they submit the report. That is how that happens. But usually the medical professional will say, oh, no, it was oh, not yeah, the vaccine. Exactly. And, and that is what we... And we, that's what happened to us. We, we have heard that many, many times from many parents. Well, and, that happened to us. No, no, no. I know, but I'm just saying we've also heard it from many, many yeah. parents that, that you go in and no one uh, uh, wants to do the causal link in, mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form. So, so again, anyway, so you have a little bit of, of, uh, of uh, visibility to VAERS. So, you know, we, we did want to end the episode on a, uh, a funny note, and uh, there was an episode of Bill Maher, uh, his program that he runs uh, weekly. I can't even think of the name of it right at the moment. I think it's real time. Um, and he, he had a segment on there. It was really spot on. And, uh, you know, now Bill is one of those guys where he will say something spot on. And just, just like the clip we heard from Tucker, Car- Tucker Carlson, he will often say something completely antithetical to it in the next segment. <laughs> but this segment on its own is really gold. And so we're going to go ahead and play that now. Me when it comes to my health. Over the past year, the COVID pandemic has prompted the medical establishment, the media, and the government to take a scared straight approach to getting the public to comply with their recommendations. Well, I'm from a different school. Give it to me straight, doc. (laughs) Because in the long run, that always works better than you can't handle the truth. Now, I get it. Doctors tell people lies because they don't trust you to finish the antibiotics after your dick starts feeling better. (laughs) And media? Well, I think we all know if it bleeds, it leads. The more they can can get you to stay inside and watch their panic porn, the higher the ratings. Researchers at Dartmouth built a database recently monitoring the COVID coverage of the major news outlets across the world and found that while other countries mix the good news in with the bad, the U.S. national media reported almost 90% bad news. Even as things were getting better, the reporting remained negative. And politicians, they lie because it's their nature to cover their ass so they don't get blamed if things goes badly, and also to keep in practice. (laughs) 
But when all of our sources for medical information have an agenda to spin us, yeah, you wind up with a badly misinformed population, including on the left. Liberals often mock the Republican misinformation bubble, which, of course, is very real. Ask anyone who works at Hillary's pizza parlor. <laughs> and we do know conservatives have some loopy ideas about COVID, like the third of Republicans who believe it couldn't be spread by someone showing no symptoms. But what about liberals? You know, the high information by the science people? In a recent Gallup survey, Democrats did much worse than Republicans in getting the right answer to the fundamental question, what are the chances that someone who gets COVID will need to be hospitalized? The answer is between 1 and 5%. 41% of Democrats thought it was over 50%. Another 28% put the chances at 20 to 49. So almost 70% of Democrats are wildly off on this key question and also have a greatly exaggerated view of the danger of COVID-2 and the mortality rate among children. All of which explains why today the states with the highest share of schools that are still closed are all blue states. So if the right-wing media bubble has to own things like climate change denial, shouldn't liberal media have to answer for, how did your audience wind up believing such a bunch of crap about COVID? <laughs> a, a new report in The Atlantic says the media won't stop putting pictures of the beach on stories about COVID, even though it's looking increasingly like the beach is the best place to avoid it. Sunlight is the best disinfected, and vitamin D is the key to a robust immune system. Texas lifted its COVID restrictions recently, and their infection rates went down, in part because of people getting outside to let the sun and wind do their thing. <laughs> but... But to many liberals, that can't be right, because Texas and beach-loving Florida have Republican governors. But life is complicated. I've read that the governor of Florida reads. <laughs> I, I know we like to think of Florida as only middle school teachers on bath salts having sex with their students in front of an alligator. But apparently the governor is also a voracious consumer of the scientific literature. And maybe that's why he protected his most vulnerable population, the elderly, way better than did the governor of New York. <laughs> Those are just facts. I know it's irresponsible of me to say them. <laughs> Look. Here's what I'm saying. I don't want politics mixed in with my medical decisions. And now that everything is politics, that's all we do. If their side says COVID is nothing, our side has to say it's everything. Trump said it would go away like a miracle. And we said it was World War Z. Trump said we should ingest household disinfectants, and we laughed, as we should, of course. And then it turned out 19% of America was literally drenching the fruit in Clorox. And now, of course, we find out that all that paranoia about surfaces will bullshit anyway, even though we spent hours and hours wiping our knobs with Lysol. And if you've ever wiped your knob with Lysol... <laughs> I think you know. Now go home and wash the mail. If you lie to people, even for a very good cause, you lose their trust. I think a lot of people... Thank you. I think a lot of people died because of Trump's incompetence. And I think a lot of people died because talking about obesity had become a third rail in America. I... I know you've heard me pound this fried drumstick before. <laughs> but since I last mentioned it, a stunning 
statistic was reported. 78% of those hospitalized, ventilated, or dead from COVID have been overweight. It is the key piece of the puzzle, by far the most pertinent factor, but you dare not speak its name. Imagine how many lives could have been saved if there had been some national campaign a la Michelle Obama's Let's Move program with the urgency of the pandemic behind it. If the... If the media and the doctors had made a point to keep saying, but there's something you can do, but we'll never know because they never did. Because the last thing you want to do is say something insensitive. We would literally rather die. Instead, instead we were told to lock down. Unfortunately, the killer was already in the house and her name is Little Debbie. All right, that's it for this episode. Fabi, what do you got to say? I want to say stay healthy, stay safe, and stay curious. All right, that's a Collective Resistance podcast for today. Thanks.